Hey friends, welcome back to Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. On this week's episode, I have a very special guest, my friend Stephanie, and we are talking Hentified. Hentified was released in February 2020 on Netflix. The show centers around three Mexican-American cousins and their struggle to chase the American dream. In the first episode, we learned the family taco shop is at risk because the family is late on rent. Their neighborhood of Boyle Heights is slowly being gentrified and the community is struggling between survival and being pushed out. At times, the cousins' dreams threaten the preservation of their community. This show is a look at what it's like to be on the cusp of change and fighting to come out on the other side, the victor. And now, here we go to the show. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here to talk about Hentified. Thank you for having me. This is a my first podcast and I'm really excited to be here and talk about a show that actually really hits close to home yeah so before we dive in like how did you find the show it's for people who are listening it's on Netflix so I found it because Netflix was like oh we think this is gonna be something you like good job Netflix it was (laughs) (laughs) so actually I found it through my aunt who happens to be really into um shows like this but also she lives in Pasadena Mm. her husband has experienced gentrification being from Highland Park in LA so Boyle Heights and Highland Park are very similar um and they've gone through similar things and um you know I, I was drawn to it especially because of that and because I my significant other had gone I lived in Highland Park and he had taken me to a place called Echo Park Mm. and Echo Park like in the last couple of years has gone through that. And we were talking about the neighborhood and where he lived and where, how much it's changed and how people are getting driven out of their homes. And so I thought, man, I really want to watch the show. And mm. it was so good. I was, I mean, after watching it a second time, like even better. <laughs> yes, I agree. For people who are listening who haven't seen the show, there's 10 episodes total. It centers around one family a group of cousins, but they all have sort of their own storylines as well as their crossover storylines. Basically, the first episode is introducing us to the family and we meet the characters, Eric, Anna, Chris, and um, their grandfather, who they refer to as Pops, which I love because we do that in the Black community too. We call grandpa Pops. Like that's a, I thought that was like a total Black thing, but I guess maybe that's just a grandpa thing. (laughs) I don't know. And, and they, they refer to him as Pops, and then they also refer to him as Abuelo, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, I mean, I feel like Pops is even that, like, him being in the United States is, you know, like, an easy way to call him, and, and I love that, too. I really like that, because it's easy to understand, you know, who he is, you know, mm-hmm. He's a matriarch of the family, right? And he's got such a great personality, too. I, so I'm not familiar with most of the actors in the show. And I'm very sad about that because they were all so good and were so committed to being the characters they play. So Eric and Anna live, the impression I got is that they've never left um, Boyle Heights. They've always kind of stayed and lived with their grandparents and were just really entwined in the community. Chris Mm -hmm. 
is a cousin who I got the impression that he wasn't raised there, but then he's finished school and has now come back to live with his grandfather while he's in transition between business school and trying to get into culinary school. Anna's an artist. Eric works at the taco shop that his grandfather owns. And so there's this like very interesting dynamic in the beginning, which I'd like to, I don't want to make assumptions about it, but I could relate to the whole, you know, Chris coming back into the neighborhood and everyone sort of being not anti him, but just like, you're not one of us, but you're kind of one of us, if that makes sense. No, yeah, totally. I think Chris's character is very much like anybody who's experienced like moving out and coming back to, you know, your your home base and Mm -hmm not being able to fit in anymore exactly the same way you did when you were a child because things have changed Mm -hmm. and your cousins have experienced living there all their lives so yeah it's kind of they always refer to him as the coconut which I thought was interesting because I've heard that term not just I I've I've never heard that term within like the Mexican community I've only ever heard it um when I when people are like fighting about um, someone of Asian descent. That was a um, eye-opening for me, I guess. Like the term coconut being like brown on the outside, white on the inside, actually could potentially work in more than one culture as a as a negative. That's funny because I haven't heard it in that way. I've always heard it in like you're a coconut if you are, you know, brown on the outside and white on the inside. You know, like for for our culture, like we mm-hmm. refer to people as coconuts. It's nice to know that it's not just used in one you know, community, it's used within communities. And so I think it's funny that they always refer to him as that. Um, maybe he didn't, you know, and, and the thing you have to also think is like, he struggles with that identity because he so badly wants to belong now that mm. he's back in Boyle Heights and he wants to fit in. And it's kind of hard for him to do that. And and you see that throughout the, the um, you know, the show and, and gets highlighted constantly. Yeah, especially in the episode, episode nine, Protest and Tacos, where they're a part of the food tour. So Anna is a lesbian and she has this girlfriend, Jessica, and we get this really great backstory about how they met in episode, I want to say it's episode seven. And so... Fast forward to episode nine and Jessica is so upset about Mama Fina's taco shop being a part of the food tour because it's just bringing more gentrifiers into the neighborhood. What I loved about Chris in that episode is that he is so desperately trying to help his grandfather's shop stay alive. Well, and Eric, they're all trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then you have people in the community who are telling them this isn't the right way to do it. You're doing it wrong but then no one's really talking about alternative solutions to sort of help the taco shop survive. Yeah. And I think in like, like going back to like episode one, it's like, you're seeing Eric and um, Chris, they have like this bad relationship just because they're both trying to help, like want to kind of sort of help, but it's just not happening. And like, they can't get along and it gets better with, you know, with each episode, but it's still like, that identity crisis that Chris suffers with and if from the beginning you realize you know you you get introduced to you know where he works and he works for a white man mm-hmm. all the Latinos around him who are that's the, the story of fine dining in especially in California it's you go to these fancy restaurants mm. and even though he's the coconut he still falls into the category of the Mexican cook. Mm-hmm. 
and the always under the hierarchy of, of a white man you know like it's always the rich get richer and the poor mm-hmm. stay where they're at and, and and you see that just within that community you know so I think Chris's character is really key in in this storyline because he was gentrified he moved out mm-hmm. you know but then now he's struggling to come back and fit in yeah I man I by the time you get to episode eight you kind of I didn't forget forget about the restaurant but you've grown with him beyond that that and you're right in the beginning it's just they're so the guys in the kitchen with him are just kind of like they like tease him all the time and it's funny but you can see it in his face that it hurts a little bit because he doesn't see himself well he kind of does see himself differently but then at the same time he's still like I'm I'm one of you he's always got this sort of, I want more tone to him, you know, like with his desire to go to cooking school and, or excuse me, culinary school. Um, especially when he's like, you know, working for this guy, he's got Michelin stars, which is huge in the restaurant world, but at what sacrifice, because that guy was not a good guy. He was so mean to the staff and he was very racially prejudiced. When you get to the episode where he finally sort of loses it, where um, Chris finally sort of not loses it, but I guess you can kind of say he loses it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've all been there, right? Where you're like, you reach your, your breaking point, you know, you're, there's only so much you're willing to take, especially when there's a lot of those racial slurs that were being brought out. Like there was a point where he said, and I wrote it down the 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 chef says like oh these people don't have papers I can call ice on them right and that like that's such a trigger in our community like these people are trying to make a living and even though Chris struggles with his Mexican identity he identifies as Mexican and he knows that this is a struggle Mm -hmm. especially knowing I think that pops is an immigrant you know mm-hmm. like you're always going to stand up for your family and I feel like he almost felt like his kitchen family the, his the cooks that you know they never get that name of chef even though they're the ones doing all the cooking um the cooks you know they they um they're all like his, the grandfather you know they're immigrants like somebody needs to be standing up for them and and that's where I think like it was so heartwarming to see that he although he struggles with it, like he still knows what's right and what's wrong, you know, and how people should be treated because, and this is going to go segue into another conversation where uh, Anna's mom, Mm. you know, she doesn't want to stand up for herself at work. Yeah. Somebody else has to be the voice of reason. And Chris was the voice of reason for these people. Like somebody needs to stand up for them. Yeah. That's a really good segue into, um, Anna's storyline. So Anna's an artist, which <laughs> being an artist myself, that's a very, um, our culture doesn't really like the struggling artist. We really like the whole, like you're successful. So now we can support you sort of, sort of, um, narrative. So, you know, she's struggling to make her artwork. She's working at a bar. She's got this girlfriend who's an, a social activist. Um, and then her mom is literally working day and night after hours after a shift is done to support the family. So, so last year when I watched the show and it dropped, it didn't like, I felt for Anna a lot because it was just like, man, trying to make your art successful so hard. I can't imagine. I like, I already know what it's like when you have 
family members who don't or friends who don't fully get it, but I can't imagine what it's like for your mom to not get it. But then this year when I was rewatching it in preparation for our conversation and watching her mom, that episode where her mom is, you see her working, she has to go to the bathroom and her boss is like, it's not time for a break. You don't get to have a break. The ache of her wanting, like you could see that she wants more for her life. And so trying to balance how she can achieve that, but then also seeing her daughter sort of feeling like her daughter's not contributing to the household. So I'm rambling all this to say, it's very common when you're a creative artist person that your family is going to be like, you're not doing enough to contribute to the household. But then you add the layer of, you know, Beatrice is literally working herself to death in the garment industry. And she's an, you know, so then you have the immigrant component too. like, what are her limitations because of where she is and where she lives, the way it's creating a conflict between mother and daughter. Yeah. There's the gallery scene um, at the very end where the mom is seeing like her daughter's art Mm -hmm. and it's almost like full circle. You know, she gets to see that her daughter is, is trying to make it. And, and she says something about, and I think I I wrote it down was like, I thought you were going to paint me in this light of angry and yelling. Yeah. But she sees her mom as joyous and Mm. a person who's worthy, you know, and that's, that's the thing that, you know, during the show and you see like the struggle that they, they have as, as a, as a, you know, mother daughter relationship, but in our, within our families, we're so close knit that like, she never once, like she threatens to kick her out, but she never kicks her out. Yeah. She acts like she's not supportive, but it's just this facade that they have, you know, the mom feels like she has to keep up with, you know, like I still have to be a mom, Mm -hmm. Um, but no matter what the love is there, you know, she has a love for her kids and Anna loves her mother and Anna wants to be able to be a good daughter, but also is struggling to help her mom because art is there but it's not you know it's not financially giving her much you know mm-hmm. and I really like that Anna and her art in the first episode she has um she kind of gives you a little bit of foreshadowing with her art there's a there's a piece where it has all these for rent for lease signs yes and I was like this is what we're gonna focus on this is mm-hmm. now that I see it I'm like it, it does foreshadow what what happens and what's happening throughout with uh, Mama Fina, yeah, and um, it, you know she she's highlighting the struggle of her community, and you know I know that it gets hard with her and her art, you know, but she's really trying, you know, she's trying to connect like her passion, but everything that's happening around her, mm-hmm. her, her art reflects her community, um, and that's even another struggle because she she wants to highlight highlight all this stuff, but to what cost, you yeah. know? And I love, I love her character in this because it does show you the perspective of being an artist, especially somewhere where you would think, you know, Boyle Heights in LA, like you'd think that this is where all the artists go. Mm-hmm. And she is the title of a struggling artist. And mm-hmm. somewhere where you think you'd have so much opportunity, but even as a brown woman, she's still struggling. Mm-hmm. 
And then when Tim, who is this, I mean, for lack of, I mean, call it what it is. He's a total gentrifier coming in and buying properties. He discovers her at this party and is just like, you're so amazing and gives her that boost of confidence that she's, it's not that she's craving it, but she definitely isn't getting it in the way that she wants it from her family. Like, yes, they love her and support her, but they're not praising her overtly all the time. And so here's Tim, this curly haired white guy with beads around his neck, who's like, you know, all about queer allyship. And so it's putting her in this position of like elevating her in her art and giving her the space to have her voice. But it comes at a price. The scene where with Ophelia and he has purchased the building that the convenience store is located in and he hires her, Anna, to do a mural on the building. And then we later learn that he never discussed it with the person who actually owns the business. And so just seeing the devastate, like you can see it in her eyes that she feels like, like Anna feels like she's been betrayed by Tim, but then also she's betrayed her fellow neighbor because she didn't know that she wasn't looped in. And then when she tries to fix it with the what do they call it? The shop kind of like a cash grab, if you will, like where everyone comes in and buys all the stuff to like help her. So she doesn't lose the business based on the mural that, and I don't want to give away what the mural is. Cause I want people to watch it. Cause it was like a really beautiful moment to like that moment where she unveils it. And she and her girlfriend have like this really beautiful moment in that. Um, but then, you know, Anna tries to fix it, but then it's still just doing more harm. And then when Oph- Ophelia just kind of like checks her in a way of like, this is my business and no one's including me in on the conversation. Like, that's not okay. I cried. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's emotional. It's like, there's so many emotions going on because you feel for Anna, you feel for Ophelia, you know? And I know that Anna is trying to do the right thing, but Ophelia feels like you said, left out. I mean, they do that cash mob cash mob that's what it's called thank you I just remembered what it was called but yeah they do the cash mob and it almost feels like like she said I'm not running my business you know in a lot of those mom and pop shops they've been there their institutions you know Mm -hmm. they've been there for so long that they have regulars and they're okay with their regulars they're they're not in they're not in need of, of you know having these cash mobs and it's hard to understand from an outsider perspective, it's like, oh, I'm doing a good deed, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring in some revenue. But for her, she says, I, I like my borrachos, which are my drunk people who come my regulars. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it is, you know, and, and she does, we're, we struggle with change, especially in those types of situations where it's already there. It's been there for many years. They have their, their way of doing it. They make ends meet. there's no need for a you know a change per se right and and I think that's what 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 a lot of people struggle with nowadays anybody who has had an establishment for many years it's the change is is not something that we're willing to take in just yet it might Mm. take some time and that doesn't say that Ophelia doesn't understand that Anna is trying you know it's just at what cost you know it's hard you know I, I think Ophelia does a really good job of standing up for her um and that's hard for for somebody who has set in their ways and you can tell she's pretty set in her ways but 
when that drunk guy, there's a drunk guy that comes in one in that episode and he calls her um, a Mari Macha, I believe that's what she calls her. And that is a lesbian. And mm. she's a lesbian. Yeah. Like that's, that's who she is. But people don't go around the street calling me, um, you know, heterosexual. Like that's right. not the way you do it. Right. And right. People, calling her out like that, Ophelia knew he was in the wrong. And she's yeah. like, get out of here. So that that's heartwarming because although all this chaos is happening, I'm still going to defend you. You're still my neighbor. You're still my community. So yes. And that part in that her doing that, it hit my heart in a way where it was just like, she's still so understanding about community and supporting community and, and the younger generation is trying to figure out what their balance is, right? Like they're trying to figure out, you know, I love my community, but how do, how do we still survive? How do we survive gentrification? And just, just seeing an older woman, cause you know, a lot of times it's the older generations that don't fully understand like mm-hmm. identity in that way. And also seeing this older woman sort of be like, no, you don't get to talk to somebody like that in my store. Get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I value respect you know and you know with Anna's character it's like a breath of fresh air to see that her whole family never once questions her because she has this real you know because she is lesbian and Mm -hmm. sometimes in in, within the 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 Latino or Mexican community that's frowned upon because it's not normal for people because that's what they think is not normal the the older generations and I'm not trying to group them all together because right have opened their mind up to being accept uh, more acceptable of of um the community but you know the, I love that that's never been brought up like mm-hmm. even within her mom they have this exchange relationship the only thing that I did pick up on and it was in the first episode is and I and I have to say it you know the way that the mom said it and I wrote it was um she called Jessica uh mm. Anna's girlfriend a negra encimosa which mm. means uh you know a black girl that's like pretty much always here like she's always you know a burden almost that is racism within our, our you know our own people Anna might struggle with that and but her mom never once calls her out on anything else you know there right. and her and grandpa their pops doesn't either he you know nobody else everybody is very accepting of who she is and mm-hmm. I, I could appreciate that because there is so many people out there within our communities that they they're not accepted and it makes her character that much more you know stronger and and that's why she cares herself the way she is she has a lot of people supporting her mm-hmm. and I think the show shows you that that there's they all support each other in one way or another they're a community yes which was why the Tim character was so frustrating for me because he was kind of forcing at- Anna into this allyship of, um, you know, and yes, be allies because you're both in the LGBTQ community. That's great. You know, you you understand each other's struggles in that respect, but he wasn't able to put himself in her position in the sense of, with empathy in the sense of she's not just a queer woman, she's a queer Brown woman. So there's more to it. I think at one point he's like, something to the effect of like gays got to stick together when they're at her art show in the later episode. And I had this moment watching that where I was just like, it's not that simple for her. It's not that simple for her. She is a Brown woman in a world that already undervalues Brown women that already undervalues 
artists. And now you're like sort of forcing her to ally with you because you're both in the LGBTQ community. You're not embracing the fact that she's brown. You're tokenizing it. Yeah. And like, that's a perfect segue to what I was just going to say is that in that episode, when he's talking about her, he starts saying, oh, her mom lives in a sweatshop. Yes. Grandpa. I I mean, I, I don't know if she says this, but he starts like talking about all these things that she is like mm-hmm. more like oh let me like you said tokenize on the fact that her mom is an immigrant they're low income like I don't know exactly how it was said and, and I, I mean that's why you have to watch the show because it, it, it just you'll see that and it's happening it mm-hmm. happens so much more than we think like people find a way to to market the fact that you are a minority and oh she has a story to her like how about we don't highlight those things? It's not, everybody has a struggle. Let's mm-hmm. highlight the fact that she is making it as an artist. And yes. she's proud of who she is and everything that she's overcame. Like, you have to, you know, if he wanted to do it that way, it's just the way he framed it. And he was talking to this woman who is a real estate agent. He's just like, oh, and she did this and, and like all the bad things, but mm-hmm. like make money off of it yes that's exactly and that's why tim's so icky he's so yeah. icky he, he i mean he's he needs to be part of it because it, this is happening and it, and it brings up a new light but yeah he was one of those characters i really struggled with yeah oh my gosh <laughs> when he, yeah. When and, he first showed, yeah when he first showed up and he's like make me a some some kind of princess my princess. princess and i was just like oh okay i wondered when this character was gonna show up <laughs> yeah and he like tries to do you know at the scene where they're at the party where where tim and anna like even they increase like the the they're not increased but their their relationship gets stronger because of this you know this is where money starts coming into play Mm -hmm. he's dressed like the mayan princess yeah or whatever and i was like way to show cultural appropriation right there like let me, you know, look this certain way because that's going to be, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. That's the cool thing to do. Right. Really? Yeah. Is, is that what you're, do you really know what you just dressed up as? Let's be more culturally aware of things, not yes. appropriate it because you're the white man and right. Oh, I'm doing something cool, you know? Yeah. It's unique. I'm different. I'm different because I can be, you know, part of it, but then also you're part of the problem. <laughs> yeah Tim you're the problem there was an interesting when he because so Anna meets Tim at this birthday party where she's face painting and then what struck me about her storyline that is very universal for artists is that when she goes to get payment and the mom and like it's this huge party it's super elaborate for a child like I just I can't and so she goes to get payment and she's like oh we agreed upon X amount. And she's like, Oh, you know, like times are really tough right now. Like, you know what I mean? And then proceeds to like, in the background, this little girl's driving her, like, what is it? It's like a car for kids that can drive. And it has all this, like, you know, fanciness too. And she's like, you know, times are tough. And Anna's just like looking around, you know, she's just like, okay, this is ironic. Cause you're telling me that you can't afford to pay the agreed upon price, but you probably spent a couple of grand on this party without including the presents that really just get away with that because guess what she's a struggling artist and Mm -hmm. uh 
You yes. can't afford a bad it, reputation. You can't afford yeah. a reputation of being difficult. And then when Tim shows up and is like, oh, I'll pay you $2,000 to paint this mural. And she's like, I'll do it for 3000. I was like, yes, stand up for yourself. Tell yeah. that little, you it know, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, I love that. I love that she did that because it shows you that we don't just have to accept what what's being given to us like she did in the party because in that part you know she takes this gig on because her mom's like hey and i need to bring some more money in and she takes this you know this isn't face painting is not her real thing you know she's she's an artist she she likes creating art you know and um she gets paid in leftovers and yeah like that was even a struggle but she takes it because that's what we do. It's, it's a necessity, you know, it's so um, real. I, yeah. I was waiting for the, I'm, I was surprised they didn't tie, try to bring in the, you know, this is exposure. Cause we hear that a lot in the artist community. Oh, it'll be great exposure. Yeah. <laughs> exposure doesn't pay rent guys. Um, but thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that it's so true. It's like, Oh yeah. Internships, volunteer work, like, yeah. Do all this free labor. That's never going to get you anywhere. Or it yeah, might, it, it, it might help you. Yeah, it help might help you, you know, but it's almost that idea of like, like when she gets in with Tim, it's like who, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what we're always told. It's about who, you know, mm-hmm. and, but what about showing who you are and the talent you can bring? Yeah. And that happens so much, not even within the, within the, you know, even if you think about Chris, like he that's why he was working with this chef it's right who you know he wanted that recommendation to get into culinary school Mm -hmm. man that guy was a tool I hated that guy I'm so glad he told him off (laughs) yeah those those two characters you know they it was two different types of characters but they both were white men Mm -hmm. successful white men Mm-hmm. guess what we have to kind of shut a better eye and be like oh well okay I'll, I'll listen to them but I'm glad yeah. that they both stood up to them you know yeah me too yeah they can do it yeah I love um so I so Eric and Chris you know they always have the struggle in the beginning yeah they're so cute um but I loved Eric and Lydia's storyline too because I feel like Lydia is such a strong character she like knows who she is for people listening who haven't seen the show, Lydia is Eric's girlfriend, on again, off again, girlfriend. Um, and she's someone like Chris in the sense that she's left Boyle Heights. She went to school in Stanford and then she came back to do work in the community to help the community thrive. Um, and so they, we find out in the first episode that they're expecting a child. And so just watching that sort of play out through every episode, you know, their grand pops is like pops loves Lydia her dad and he are good friends. Like this is just a very much like everyone's people are happy about this, but Lydia and Eric are trying to figure out what, how they fit now and what they want now. And Lydia's got life things going on that don't necessarily align with what everyone else wants, but (laughs) I don't want to give anything away, but I just loved their story. I cried yeah. a lot. <laughs> I did too. You know, I, I was watching it last night and I, uh, you know, the specific episode where they highlight them the most. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was in tears. I was like, oh my gosh, this is rough. You know, um, like you said, we don't want to give too much away, but it's just 
life. Yeah. You know, and things that you have to do, sacrifices you need to make, but their relationship shows you it's raw. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows you that it does not always, you know, rainbows and butterflies and you're bringing in a child and it's another layer of added stress. And like you said, she's successful. She has it going on. She's coming back and helping her community. And then Eric, he's struggling, you know, he wants to help his, you know, he wants to help Mama Fina become successful and um, wants to make sure that Pop is okay but he also wants to be the provider Mm -hmm. with that because I think he feels in a sense like he's that's like it for him but when you see him and uh, as a character you see that he really likes to read and Mm -hmm. he's really smart you know he he wants to make sure his community is bettering themselves yeah and I love that about him. It's like he always gets seen as a character who's kind of like, oh, this guy who's immature, doesn't know anything, but you're constantly seeing him read or mm-hmm. shed a light on something. And and like I think there's an episode, you know, with Chris and, and Eric, they always, you know, argue about everything. And there's a time where they are trying to figure out how to um help Mama Fina survive and they're meeting up with the lawyer and he Eric had all the right questions yes but Chris being an outsider is like no 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 like don't ask those questions and then when the lawyer reassures him that he's doing the right thing he's asking the right I was like yes like somebody saying that he's learning these things he's smart he and I think Lydia sees that too you know Mm -hmm. she she, she sees that in him, you know, obviously she's, she's a strong woman. She's in pretty independent. So she's not just going to be like, oh, it's fine. I'm going to let you come into my life again. Right. Like, um, okay. You know, like we're having a child. Um, she believes in him though. Yes. That's huge. And I think we really see how much she loves him in the scene where he's analyzing Anna's art. And she's like, what do you think Anna was thinking when she painted this? And he just got real deep Mm -hmm. and it was such a, it was so beautiful hearing him express what his opinion was, not just because it was deep and thoughtful, but because he was also being kind of vulnerable in it too. And throughout the series, I thought he's just very much a man, you know, he's got this very much like, he kept saying that I'm a grown ass man and Mm -hmm. we get you're a grown ass man, Eric but also maybe calm down a little bit because it's, you know, we all need to help each other. But when you see the way that Lydia is looking at him as he's talking about Anna's art and what he thinks it means, it was just like, I don't know. I don't know if it was meant to be like a super like sexy scene, you know, but to me, that was just so sexy to hear a man speak in that way with such vulnerability about something so meaningful. I was like, oh, good job, you guys. Why didn't they submit this for Emmy consideration? (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was really heartfelt. And you like, you're like, yes, like Eric, you're doing it again. Like making us fall in love with your characters even more, you know? Um, I felt like a really like, like it was so um heartwarming that uh, that scene you know like okay like she's she's like this is my man you know yes. like, like he's smart like yeah like I see it um 
I like the the episode too where he starts the little libro um yeah or the libro um you know the, the reward system yes and she's like all about it mm-hmm. and that, that's what we need right like even though we're struggling and we're having a hard time when somebody is there to back us up it's like oh yes and especially if it's like your significant other it's like mm-hmm. oh, more you know acceptable and, and fun you know their relationship was I think we needed to see that kind of representation on tv because we see so much of couples who are pregnant and they're not married and their paths are kind of in going in different directions and they sort of like get written back into being forced into each other again and what I love about Eric and Lydia is that the writers sort of leaned into the reality of their situation but also helped this organic conclusion show up in the sense of like because I don't want to give anything away but in the sense of like they at the end of it they're loving and supporting of each other and they have this great respect for each other I really appreciate that they sort of laid this footprint for people to see how it could be resolved in a positive way and everyone sort of is respectful and loving and supportive of each other. I thought they did a really good job without trying to give anything away. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that they did a good job because they they also show that that they're a couple that struggles, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, there were in the beginning, you didn't even know if they were really a couple or mm-hmm. what was going on, you know? And they, they shed some light on the fact that like, they're not an Instagram family. They're not, you know, they're not this perfect family. They, we don't even know if they're family at this point. It's later on that you start seeing the development and and other things, but I like that it's raw. And I like that it shows you that it's not always rainbows and butterflies. Like Eric and and Pops have a conversation about like, hey, you're going to have a child. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to grow up, even though you're a grown man, you need to grow up and you need to step up. And, you know, Lydia knows she's she could be the provider on her own, but with some help, it, it could it could be good, too. And, and I like that they do that. You know, they show you that, yeah, it can be done on your own, but he's also the father and um, Pops doesn't want you know, Eric to go down the same path that his, that, you know, his father went through. And we don't know a lot about that, you know, and Mm -hmm. I feel like um, Eric has maybe some, something in his past that hopefully we find out in a second season, you know, it's the way he's a reason he is the way he is for a reason. Mm -hmm. And um, I like that pops, you know, is always so supportive of all of his grandchildren. Yeah. All of them. He has his own struggles with his business, but he's always so supportive. And no matter what, he he wants them to be happy. He wants them to be successful. And he's willing to do it at all costs. You know, it's nice that he's supportive of their relationship and wanting to make sure that no matter what, Eric is still a provider to that child. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think contributes to Chris's sort of uh identity crisis because of the way that his dad sort of speaks about Boyle Heights yeah yeah and, and how he, hard he's worked so he doesn't have to live in the ghetto I think he says that a couple times in yeah, the show and you're almost curious to know like why doesn't he help pops out right and he seems like he's a successful character you know mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know him we don't really know about him but 
you know, I always think about like what happened with him and Pops. Mm-hmm. Um, why doesn't he help Pops out? And I love the character of Pops, you know, and I think that he 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 struggles a lot throughout the whole the whole series. Yeah. So Mama Venus, for those of you who are listening, is basically the taco shop he started with his wife. His wife is Delfina. Um, we've learned that she's, you know, in the first episode, we learned that she's no longer with us. And so the shop is just, it's not just his taco shop. It's also where he and his wife were happy and loved. And so I love how much they show in the beginning of like their relationship before she's dead, because yeah. he's just this big loving teddy bear. And it's just so sweet. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I'm really happy they chose him as the actor. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about the character, uh, Pops, he, he's actually like an, an actor that has come out in like Spanish, um, oh. shows and stuff. Yeah. I have seen him. Um, so he, he has played always like, um, different types of characters, but I think this one, I I think I've seen him in two different um, shows before or telenovelas. I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly, but mm-hmm. I know his character is, is he's a seasoned actor and I love that he, they bring him back and he, his character, it just shows you that, that like he, he's so like, like you said, Mama Fina's is more than just a taco shop. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it brings back good memories of him and his wife. And that's why he struggles with changing it. And he knows things need to change. And even though his grandchildren like constantly are telling him, like, especially Chris, like, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. I wanted to talk about Lupe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lupe is like the character is a character that gets brought on in um, one of the episodes and she is an owner of a botanica which is like a botanical shop and they they have like a lot of different types of herbal medicines and things of that sort and Lupe is a business owner who has experienced gentrification and Mm -hmm. she she actually has embraced it and she has a successful you know um, career and she has a successful business and it's because she was able to modify it whereas when um you know Lupe is an old friend of Casimiro or Pops and she she's very open to the idea of change and she helps him feel more Mm -hmm. confident and I love that that relationship that they have because um this is a new or you know an old person older person friend for many years Mm -hmm. whereas like when you hear your young grandchildren telling you to change you're kind of like oh a little hesitant you know yeah nice to have that character who kind of brings them to the senses and shows him that change is good I know that that we don't want to like we don't want to step away from the idea of like mama finas and stuff but just to make it successful there there, you know there's always that back and forth like do I change it do I keep it do you and and how do you grow and evolve yeah and she helps with kind of no showing him the side of a successful business that has embraced change. Yeah. I did really love her too. She had such a warmth about her that I think that just felt very universal, you know? Yeah. She shed a different light on like life for him Mm -hmm. as well, you know, because pops is the caring grandfather and he's afraid to let go. Yeah. And even though he's getting older, 
he's afraid to let go but she tells him like you know you what do you want to do like he's like I want to sleep more and he you know I want to be able to, to enjoy a day off and those are things that help him you know later on as, as a character with his grandchildren like kind of see a different light yeah and what the potential mama Finas can be yeah yeah oh, I just love him his cowboy hats so cute <laughs> Yes, love yes. That. about him, you know, he's so like so real. Like I love that about him. Like even when he's in his home, like you guys will see that if you see the show, it's just you'll love watching it and you you'll be hooked on him because <laughs> he's just such a good person. He really is. Here's what I love. I love a well-acted show, right? When you forget that they're actors, you forget that they're pretending to be in this fake world. All of these characters are so convincingly real while you're watching that to me is the best thing about movies and television is when you can put together a cast like that and the the folks who assembled this show did such a great job in that way because you feel like pops is your grandpa you feel yeah. like eric and anna and chris can be your friends and or relatives like lydia you feel like you want to go and like help Lydia and Jessica and their causes. Like they did. So and Nayeli, Anna's little sister, we didn't talk about her yet, but she's such a great little sister. The show does not get enough recognition. <laughs> it did not get enough recognition no, at all. At all. Like I have watched multiple shows on Netflix and this is the one show that like I had to sit through the whole thing and like I binge watched shows before, but this one was like the one that actually like I was watching it not because I wanted to know what happened at the end. Mm -hmm. I liked the development of every episode. I didn't even really care if there was an end or not. I wanted to just keep watching because I laughed. I cried. Mm -hmm. You know, I enjoyed the characters. Pops, I feel like he could be my grandpa. He reminds me of my grandpa. I think if I saw him on the streets someday, like I would I wouldn't even refer to him as his name because it's pops like yeah he is you know he's yeah. a really good character and all of the characters are great the show is some is, is one of my favorites it, it it hits close to home but it's also just like feel good show yeah or I, episodes too so yeah I thought it was really well executed in the sense that it's, you know, very culturally specific but at the same time you still sort of as a person who is not represented in this in this show as part of the culture it's so effective in making you the viewer feel something mm -hmm. and that's just so important I think that's such a huge part of being able to come into a situation and say okay so let's think about what's happening maybe I shouldn't be an asshole who's racially prejudiced not that I'm saying I am but you know like when people say things you're just like okay so you lack understanding and this show I think helps highlight in a way that the theme of family first, the theme of love, the theme of gentrification, those things can have elements to it that are easily to re relatable if you were not coming from a Mexican background. And I think the producers of the show did such a great job of reminding everybody family is universal. Yeah. The commitment of family is universal. The balancing of family is universal. And so then they add the layer of, you know, we have this Mexican family that we're, that is trying to balance everything. So you, uh, you can relate to the family theme and then you gain understanding because they're bringing in elements of the Mexican culture of what it's like being Mexican American, being an immigrant, et cetera. And I think also one theme that I saw, like a recurring theme is food. Mm -hmm. 
is the like that universal love language like that's what always brought them together was like when they were at Mama Fina's or there was like a time where um you know I think it was um Jessica and Anna and Chris and Eric and like one of their friends were all together and they're, they're enjoying food and you know your Mexican street dogs and they're having a conversation like a good conversation I always think like food is always like a center of, of conversation and um their love for it mm-hmm. so I think I think that was another theme that I saw and couldn't help but think about also like emotions that I brought up and and um, not only emotions but also like the way I see things I was following the storyline and sometimes I struggled with like boy change is good mm-hmm. you know like oh I I I I sided with Jessica in that sense of like, she was like, no, you know, like we, we need to stick up for our community and change. She's not saying change is bad, but it's just like to what expense. Right. So you almost, you struggle with a little bit of bias and within the show yeah. and it's eye opening, you know, it's like now yeah. second time watching it, I'm more aware of things that both sides go through mm-hmm. you know and um I like that I like that it makes me aware of things that you know I might have just had like a total bias opinion on you know yeah like, it's important to to open your eyes and reflect on on what really is going on within these communities you know um it's a tr- struggle of two tales you know it's like mm-hmm. uh, where do we fit in between where the community is still s- successful but is also growing and thriving. Right. I definitely related to Chris the most in the beginning because he's struggling with fitting in. He's struggling with how can I help? I've got all these ideas and he's sort of bringing in ideas without listening to the locals, if you will. And then as the show progressed, I really started feeling Anna a lot because again, the artist thing, you know, you want your art to be your sole source of income. You want to be successful in that. And again, it's that question of to what cost. And Jessica really calls her out in an episode about it. What really broke my heart was there's an episode, I think it's called Brown Love. Yeah. Episode seven and Nayeli's doing this report for school about, you know, love or whatever. And then and Nayeli asks, where do you guys see yourselves in five years? And Jessica's five-year plan includes Anna And then Anna's five-year plan is all about her art. And that was just like me giving something away in the show, but, (laughs) but it hit in a way where you're just, it, it, it's a pivot, right? Because sometimes artists forget to include outside elements into their plans because they've been surviving instead of thriving. So they're so focused on how can I thrive instead of survive that, you know, we tend to forget to include other people in our plans. Yeah. And that really like hit me like, oh, I've done that. Whoops. (laughs) And so to see Jessica's face, I was like, oh shit. That's how people feel when I say stuff like that. Oh man, I'm a terrible person. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not like you're not thinking about the other person. It's just that in that moment, where do I see myself? Like, you know, you're, I I think we assume that those people are already included in that. Yeah. And so it, it, it is rough, you know, it is rough to hear those kinds of things, you know, and I guess it, in a sense, you have to be like, oh, I have to be more aware of how I'm saying things. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
maybe just make sure people know like you're in my plans it's just this is what I want to do for myself you know it's it's about personal growth as well you know and I think that that's what Anna Anna is highlighting is like her personal growth and what she wants to do in five years Mm -hmm. Um, and my assumption was that she was including oh that's interesting who was your favorite character on the show um my favorite character uh, I mean I liked them all but <laughs> I liked Lydia because I could really relate to her mm-hmm. I'm not a person who has children but I just could relate to her because I have a really good relationship with my father mm-hmm. and she had a really good relationship with her father and her father is um you know kind of struggling with her you know her like goals her career goals mm-hmm. and um I think that that's that I I related to her because I have career goals and I have a really good you know it's that family unit thing when in a sense I also related with Anna because she was always trying to help her mom Mm -hmm. and that's the way that we are we're always trying to help our families and so that's why I was like I related to those two characters and I really liked them both um but Lydia definitely was my favorite just because um I could relate to her and the struggle of like hoping to reach some career goals, but also thinking about your family and, um, you know, she left once before and she came back. I mean, I I did something similar. I I left for college and I came back and I fit right back in because I lived here, but Mm -hmm. there's always like that need for wanting more and maybe Mm -hmm. going somewhere. Yeah. And I really liked her, but the, I mean, all the characters that were just like, so great. Like you yeah. said, what do you want to see in season two? I want to see the development of Lydia and Eric's relationship. Yes. I want to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I want to see where Chris, mm-hmm. where his character goes because he's still struggling. And mm-hmm. so without saying too much, it's like, what's next for him? Mm-hmm. It leaves on a really, I mean, I'm not going to give out what it yeah. leaves on, but <laughs> yeah, because you need, you need to watch it to understand it. And I want to see that. I want to see yeah. what happens. You know, there, there's a lot of like cliffhangers. I will say that about this show. And then I don't want to give too much. This is why you need to watch it because season two is hopefully coming. And um, it, it is. Netflix did announce there is going to be a season two, but they haven't announced when IMDb just says 2021. <laughs> well, it's April guys. Okay. Like, are you recording? Come on. I need answers. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm curious to see all of that. And just in general, like what happens to some of the characters that mm-hmm. get highlighted and kind of get not, you know, they're not forgotten completely, but just like back and forth. I mean, yeah. there's the there's the mariachis that I, I wonder what's going to happen to the mariachi group. Oh my gosh. We didn't even talk about that episode, girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was rough. That was a rough one. It really was. The episode is called the grapevine. It's episode six. And Javier is the main person in the mariachi band that we follow. And he has a son that's Nayeli's age. And so just, oh, I'm like, how do we talk about it without giving too much away? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm just curious to see like what what's the development of that the mariachi and, and yeah. what happens and um, we could probably do a whole I could probably do a whole episode on just that particular episode alone because 
there was a lot packed into episode six, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I cried a lot. I mean, I just cried. This show is like, like I said, it's full of emotions. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel, I didn't think that I was going to be this emotional the second time. Same. But I got more emotional. Something we didn't touch on, and I, I really think it's important to highlight, is there was different types of Latinos. And, yes. You know, not only Latinos, they always talk. They also talk about Erica. She's Dominican. Mm-hmm. And um, they all get for for whatever reason. We always tend to group everybody together mm-hmm. to speak Spanish. And I love that Erica is still true to herself. And she, yeah, uh, Jessica, yeah, yeah, Jessica. She's yeah. yeah, she's she's so true to herself. And you know, she she continues on. She'll talk about you know some a little bit of her being Dominican mm-hmm. and. Norma, who's also a character, and she's the the cook at Mama Fina's, and she's Salvadorian. Yeah. And then we have another chef in or a cook in in the first episode who is I don't know I don't remember if he was like Venezuelan or okay. Yeah, and like they all everybody gets grouped, but I love that one. they mm-hmm. highlighted other Spanish speaking groups. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just like they're not all the same. You know. They're yeah. All together, but. I love that they bring different, they shed a light on, on different um, cultures as well. Not a lot, a lot, but enough to where it's like all these people are struggle have their own struggles and they're minorities and similar, but different. Bringing back Tim, there's a scene where Anna, and I forget who the third person is in the scene, but he basically calls the two women, refers to the two women as being exactly the same in terms of like where they're from or their background and yeah, they both at the Anna, same time huh? Anna and Ophelia. oh yeah it's Ophelia and they both at the same time like correct him and he just like brushes them off like well whatever I know what's right it's like no bro acknowledge that like these are two very different cultural experiences like you can't mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. that's who you are Tim still don't like you <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I want to see Eric and Lydia in season two because the way season one ended, it's heartwarming. And we do have a lot of that happy ending stuff in Hollywood, even with serious stuff. When it comes to like pregnancy, there's always that happy, happily ever after, but then we don't ever get the next chapter. So I would like to see what their next chapter looks like, especially with the way that ended. I kind of hope we meet Chris's dad. I do too. He calls him El Cucuy on his phone, which means like the scary guy, pretty much. Oh, the ghost, like, like the big bad wolf type, like character. Like when you say El Cucuy in Spanish, it's like, oh no, he's going to come get me. Yeah, I'm curious to see who he is and mm-hmm. why he has a nice he doesn't even talk to really to his own father. So I'm curious to see why he doesn't talk to Pops almost. Yeah. Happened there, that dynamic. And then too, I'd like to see um if we get more about Eric's dad, because again, they kept alluding to the fact of Eric, you don't want to end up like your dad, which is always a negative tone, you know, it's always like assumed that something bad happened to him. So you know, are we assuming that he's in jail, dead, missing? Like what, what is it about Eric's dad that we don't want Eric to end up like? Yeah. And you know what I struggled a little bit with, and I'm still very confused. And maybe you can clarify this because maybe other people who watch this might feel the same way is Anna's mom, Beatrice. Like Mm. what is she, is she 
um, Pops's daughter. Like, I didn't really feel that way. I didn't feel that way either. I thought, so the first time I watched it, I didn't actually piece it together. But this time watching it, I thought, I wonder if maybe she's the daughter-in-law. And maybe Pops had, like, three kids all boys and each one of the grandkids is one of their kids because they make a very clear distinction in one of the episodes that that Anna and Eric are cousins yeah because he said something somebody said something to him he's like well that's my cousin um so it's like okay there's that but then when they're at the art gallery for Anna's show they don't interact like father daughter do you know So, so I'm curious, maybe they'll, they'll shed a light on that in episode, I mean, season two, hopefully just, just to understand that dynamic. Um, seems like they all have a really good relationship though. I will say that. Yeah. Which is what I love. I love, um, shows that do have a very strong family and we've talked about this offline, like your family's really close. My family's really close. So I, I have a hard time when television shows and I know that's not everybody's story. I, I recognize that now that I'm older. and But I do find that it makes me happy <laughs> when they show non-traditional type scenarios, like in this sense, like Eric's dad's not in the picture. You know, Chris has a broken relationship with his dad and then the situation between Anna and her mom but there's still a strong family bond. So it's showing that like, yes, there's a strong family bond, but it doesn't look traditional in the sense of mom and dad are happily married and all the kids are happily married and everyone's happy in their houses with their picket fences. So I I really appreciate when, when that is represented, like this isn't a normal unit, but we're still very close and family's still very important. Yeah. And you know what? They also highlight grief and the loss of mama Fina and, um, that it's a constant struggle for, for families. I like that because it's like the family, although they, like you said, they're all walks of life. They're all doing different things. They grieve together. Mm-hmm. They, you know, maybe in their own ways, but they, they're all, they're a unit. And I think it makes people, it makes it more relatable. Families that struggle and that they're there, that's okay. It's like you said, it's not the white picket fence family. Like, even within our conversations, yes, we're very close to our families, but we have our flaws mm-hmm. and our, our families have their flaws and, but you can still be close. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what I like, you know, and, and it's okay if you're not close and there's reasons why, but at least this show will highlight that maybe there's, you know, things that you can work past and, you know, be a unit and, and even from afar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Oh man. Will you come back after season two airs to talk about it with me? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm excited for season two, 2021. We're here. Yes. Like give I it to us already. Yeah. To watch it. I, I'm, yeah. I definitely would love to come back and talk about season two. Oh man. That makes me happy. I'm, I really appreciate your time and you coming in today to talk about this. I feel like each episode could be its own conversation separately because like I said with the the grapevine episode with the mariachi band there's so much packed in each episode yeah and it's 30 minutes and you're like wow it was loaded yeah yeah hey it's your host Julia and I just wanted to say thank you so much for sticking around if you enjoyed this episode about hentified share this episode with your friends send them a text send them a link to the episode 
if you send it to two or three people who will listen and then we can all have a conversation about this show, that'd be really cool. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.